Boom. All right. A couple quick logistics here. Uh, check out the deep dive that goes with today's live session. As always, it's a good one. Complete the halfway checkpoint survey if you have not already. Um, keep an eye out for some more early captain's table invites. We sent a handful. We'll send a handful more today. And then the next live call, Friday, noon Eastern, we have Analytics 101. All right, quick look at the badge leaderboard. 23% have every single badge. Great stuff, great stuff. Let's fly through these names. Catch your name, top shipper. Look at those badges. It's good stuff. Very good Congrats stuff. To Congrats to everyone. Keep it up. Keep it up, everyone. Going to run out of room on these slides. Drop in the chat if you've made a friend in Ship 30 yet. If you've done the rapid fire, if you've met someone cool, if you've connected with some people over shared interests, uh, let us know. Because this is that's a big part of Ship 30 that we we really love to emphasize for people. Yeah, the big goal and the reason we tie the rapid fire badges to a badge is because we know that if you're meeting three or four people, you're going to get the most out of this. Good, going to get the most out of this course for sure. So if your name's not on here, you might be missing a rapid fire badge. That's all right. You'll be on there Friday. Get caught up and we'll be ready to rock. Awesome. Nice work, everyone. All right. Already a bunch of people hopping aboard the captain's table, accepting their invites. Alex, Andrew, Ash, Alexander, Chaboozer, Christian, Dexter, Eva, Greg, Gene, Jeff, John, Akita, Zlatko. Amazing. So good to see you guys. I think people are already diving into the stuff that's in there. So congrats. Welcome aboard. It's so cool to see. Um, keep it up. We'll be sending some more invites out today. And then, you know, a couple quick shout outs before we dig in here. Um, this one made me smile is when something that you wrote historically all of a sudden gets picked up. This is the whole point of focusing on building a library. When you have a library, you have content that you wrote historically that's going to keep paying you dividends into the future. Can't tell you how many times something I wrote five years ago ended up getting resurfaced or someone ended up reaching out to me as a result of it. So focus on the library. Second, writings for 16 days gets invited to a web TV show. Amazing, right? It, it happens sooner than you think. Um, we love seeing it in Ship 30. Everyone's experiencing things like this in the first you know, week, two weeks, three weeks. It took me like five years. So the fact that we can shorten that growth curve for everyone is amazing. Uh, this is another amazing outcome, right? The more you write and publish on the internet, the more opportunities just come to you. Can't tell you how many times we've heard from people. Oh, I just got a paying client. Oh, I just got a job offer. Oh, I just landed a new customer all from just writing and publishing on the internet. So really great job. Uh, this is another one. There's a handful of uh, really large medium publications that have been <clears throat> picking up a bunch of ship 30 writers and content. So whenever we see shippers get their uh, atomic essays and other articles on Medium picked up into these publications, it's amazing. You know, the, the more people that do that, the more that's going to continue. So really nice job. And this, you know, uh, thanks for uh, creating a Ship 30 review video. Um, we love, we really encourage people to do this. You know, obviously it's not a requirement by any means, but if you want to uh, go for it. And also if you join the captain's table and you become a super affiliate, um, where you uh, get paid on people that click your link and then come and convert and join Ship30. Um, this can be a really unique way of creating a new re revenue stream for yourself. So thanks for doing that. All righty. Where we are on the checklist, approaching the finish line. Um, uh, well, today's day 18, I believe. Day 18, 17 or 18, something like that. I'm, lo yep. I'm losing day track. I know 30s around the corner, so... We'll get there eventually. And then here's the badge checklist today. You will unlock your Thread Commander badge by leaving a comment on today's live session. That yeah. comment should be a link to your first or next or whatever Twitter thread um, or LinkedIn post. So if you write on LinkedIn, you can reply with a LinkedIn post, unlock that badge. We will change the assignment there because this is now both Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts and then read the deep dive as well. Yeah, lots of great examples in, in this deep dive. All right, what do we got today? So today we're going to dig into Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts. Originally, this was uh, in the last cohort, um, this was completely focused on Twitter. But as Dickie and I continue to experiment with LinkedIn more, uh, and obviously there's a larger percentage in this cohort of people that came in through LinkedIn, we thought we would adjust this a bit to talk 
and speak to both Twitter and LinkedIn. The reality is both are very, very similar in how they operate. There's a couple little nuanced differences, but as far as the content, uh, crafting hooks, crafting lead-ins, all of those things are very, very similar. So we're going to go over both. But first, we're going to talk about why we start with Atomic Essays and why we encourage everyone to learn the fundamentals of Atomic Essays first and then move into things like Twitter threads, which can also be applied to LinkedIn posts. Then we're going to go over the architecture of both a Twitter thread and a LinkedIn post. Again, very similar, small, small nuance differences. Uh, we're going to go over the different types of lead-ins, so how you hook someone, whether you're writing on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, on Twitter, we're going to go through this little mechanism called the TLDR, which means too long, didn't read. It's a little synopsis tweet that we like including in our threads. And then the CTA, which is the click-through link. It's, it's the call to action. It's where do you put that in both a thread and a, and a LinkedIn post. All right, what do we got first? So the, the first thing we, we want to speak to is we get this question all the time, like sometimes even before Ship 30 even kicks off, which is, should I be writing atomic essays? Should I be writing Twitter threads? Should I be writing LinkedIn posts? The big reason why we start with atomic essays is because an atomic essay has all of the components of every other type of writing. It has the headline. It has a clear introduction, some credibility. Why should people listen to you? It has your main points, which forces you to organize, you know, the subheads that we talked about in the formatting. And then sometimes it has a conclusion. And before you can write anything else, you have to understand those pieces, right? And those are the more conventional, those are true for atomic essays. They're true for articles and blog posts. They're true for uh, emails and newsletters. They're true for, if you want to sit down and write a book, they're true for landing pages. They're true for everything. So we like to start with the atomic essay format so that everyone gets a grasp on the fundamentals of digital writing. And then you can apply those fundamentals to anything. Twitter threads and, and LinkedIn posts as well, but more so Twitter threads are a bit of a secondary language. So as a metaphor, it's kind of like, you know, learning Spanish, but then when you go to different countries or different parts of the world, people speak different uh, like dialects of Spanish, right? Like they use different slang or they use different words or they have different, uh, they put different emphasis on certain phrases. That is kind of like what a Twitter thread is. And you can't really understand how to write an effective Twitter thread until you understand the fundamentals of digital writing. So that's why we start with Atomic Essay and then we move into threads and then we move into uh, LinkedIn posts as well. Yeah, nothing to add there other than here's the breakdown. You know, the beauty of the atomic essay is it's atomic. You get every single part of digital writing in one place very easily with a tight constraint. If you can write an atomic essay, you can write anything, period, yeah. period. And so that's why we start with it. And then we can introduce some of these other mediums too. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to point out is atomic essays are much easier to repurpose in a bunch of different ways. Like once you have an atomic essay, that atomic essay could be a article, it could be an email newsletter, it could be whatever you want it to be. A Twitter thread is much harder to, re, to, to repurpose. Puppies, it's all good. Um, I, I mean, the, the thing with the Twitter thread is exactly what you said, Cole. I think every time I end up with a really good Twitter thread, I'm like, oh, now I got to go figure out how to turn this into a blog post or turn this into something else. Twitter threads are... Going from atomic essay to Twitter thread is very easy. Going from Twitter thread to atomic essay is not very easy. So that is why we start with them. If you have 15 atomic essays right now, you have 15 Twitter threads, but does not work in reverse very easily. Okay, so this is just a look at, to reinforce the point of why we write on social platforms. This I wrote this thread originally when I had something like 9,000-ish Twitter followers or something like that. And it got almost 5 million views. Like it's impossible to wrap your head around the number 5 million. And that's still wild to me. It just shows the power of these platforms that you are writing things where it does not matter how many followers you have for something to go viral. That is why we're playing the game on these platforms. If you have a blog and you put something on there, 
very hard for a lot of people to read it versus this thread, 5 million people read it, 50,000 people liked it. That's an entire stadium. It blows my mind to put those numbers in perspective. Yeah, there's there's no uh, viral loop with a blog. The number of people who read your blog is the number of people who know your blog exists. On a social platform, like Dickie said, you could have 9,000 followers. You could have 900 followers. You could have 90 followers. If the content is resonating with people, the algorithm is incentivized to show it to more and more people. And I think, you know, one thing that we want to point out in the session today is people think that they see these Twitter threads go viral and they think if I just write a thread, I'm going to go viral. And that's not how it works. There's atomic essays that go viral. There's Twitter threads that go viral. There's LinkedIn posts that go viral. There's Reddit posts that go viral. There's Quora answers that go viral, right? It's not the, the vehicle that matters. What matters is the information that you put inside of it. And if you do that well, then you can tap into this larger viral loop that exists. So this example here just shows if you do that well, the scale is you know, a hundred X, a thousand X bigger than even your own audience. That's the whole point. Here's some examples on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. I mean, we just started writing on LinkedIn, Cole and I did. And this one on the left, I think has four and a half thousand likes, something like that. Yeah. Half a million views. And that was my first LinkedIn post. That was my very first one. And so it's just proof that you don't, need a huge following for to have success on these platforms. If you are writing high quality content, the algorithm is going to do the work for you. But here's here's the most interesting thing though, Dickie, this wasn't, mm. it was your first post on LinkedIn, right? Correct. But you knew that this this had already done really well on Twitter. This right? was, this is my most popular tweet ever. So I came okay. to LinkedIn, copy and pasted my most popular tweet ever as my first post. And this is the beauty of creating a library of content. I knew that was going to work. I didn't know it would work this well. I didn't know that LinkedIn was as powerful as it was. It's something we're learning. Um, but yeah, it was my first post and I had data that this worked and go figure, right? This, this I want to like triple click on this point because again, everyone starts at zero and yet everyone thinks there's some magical difference between the people who are successful and the people who aren't. All this is, just boil it down to its simplest denominator here. All this is, is Dickie started writing on one platform, wrote a lot, gathered data on here's all the things in order that are my most popular to least popular, and then went to a new platform and said, instead of starting from true zero, I'm going to start with the most popular thing that I already validated with data over here. And it works, right? And it doesn't work because of a growth hack. It doesn't work because he posted at 1.42 PM. It works because he already had data saying readers are interested in this and then repeats it. And, I, and I've done the same exact thing. I literally just went into my analytics and type share, sorted by most popular by views or by likes and started at the top and started bringing things over to LinkedIn and LinkedIn goes, I love this. And I'm not surprised by that because I already have the data that says, yeah, this is the stuff that people like, right? So this is the whole point of building a library is over time that library compounds and you can bring it to each new platform. All right, let's keep rolling. So as we go through this, just as a, as a primer here, we're going to give you a bunch of ways of thinking about this and some templates to use on how to craft really compelling threads and LinkedIn posts. But if you want help, if it's kind of hard to wrap your head around actually putting it into practice, there are templates inside TypeShare for threads. And we encourage you to play with them. You can use them for Twitter. You can cross post and use them for LinkedIn. These are the same templates that Dickie and I use and they work. Okay. It might not work the first time because you're figuring out what content to put inside of it, but these templates work. So these are reverse engineered from our own content, just so you know. Spot on. All right. Drop in the chat. 
do you have an atomic essay that you are ready to turn into a Twitter thread or a LinkedIn post? Or do you have an idea for a Twitter thread that you're working on? Because we're going to walk through step-by-step constructing both of these posts from top to bottom. So if you don't, that's okay. You're going to be able to, uh, we're going to show you how to take an atomic essay, turn it into a LinkedIn post or a Twitter thread because it's very similar architecture. You're just going to cut some things. It's really a, a game of, if you thought the atomic essay was concise, the Twitter thread has to be even more concise. And so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that today. Yep. And just, I see this question in the chat. The whole benefit of TypeShare is the fact that you can one-click republish to multiple platforms. So you don't have to necessarily start on Twitter and then move somewhere else. The reason why we built TypeShare is because we wanted ourselves to be able to write something and see and gather data across multiple platforms. So if you want to write one thing, but gather data across multiple platforms, use TypeShare because that allows you to do that very easily. All right. So a quick look at the Twitter thread architecture. There's really four things you're going to do when you're constructing a a Twitter thread or a LinkedIn post. You have your lead-in tweet, which is like a mix of your headline and first sentence if you're writing an atomic essay. That's the way to think about it. You're grabbing attention. You're telling the reader what they're going to get, and we'll walk through that. The TLDR is a summary. That stands for too long, didn't read. It will, The reason we do that is because sometimes Twitter threads throw a lot of concise information at someone, and the TLDR basically tells the reader, hey, here's everything we just covered in a concise way. And then the CTA is hey, you just delivered someone value. How do you capture that and take it off platform? So whether that's directing them to more of your content or capturing their email, delivering, like if you're on this call, you might've downloaded our Start Writing Online Ultimate Guide via a Twitter thread where when you deliver something and then say, hey, if you want more, the CTA is a call to action. So it's telling the reader, hey, do this. Give them something to do at the bottom. So that's really the, And then between that, you have all your main points where you're actually delivering on the thread. Dickie, maybe speak real quick to this screenshot, how it shows up in the feed. Yeah, this is changing a little bit, so I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. I think, yeah, Twitter's mixing it up, so no need to kind of go into that. Okay, cool. So very similar to this outline, LinkedIn has a similar architecture, okay? So your lead-in is, do you see how here in the screenshot, after these lines, it says dot, 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 see more. Okay. So your lead in is the text that shows up before the see more button. And the reason that's the lead in is if the reader isn't hooked in those first few lines, they are not going to click see more. Right. So you have to get their attention in the very first second in order for them to then go, I click and I give you my attention when they click and give you their attention. This is where you have however many main points, all right? Where you're just using five main points arbitrarily. You could have three main points. You could have eight main points. It doesn't matter, okay? So you have the bulk of your post. And then when you post your CTA, your CTA, your link does not go in the main post. If you put your link in this main post up here, LinkedIn suppresses it. Because think about it. LinkedIn is a walled garden. And if you share a link, what you're doing is you're telling readers, hey, don't stay on LinkedIn anymore. Leave the party and come back to my house. And LinkedIn goes, I don't want you taking people back to your house. We want the party to stay here downtown, right? So in order for your link not to get suppressed, the the trick here is to put it in the comments. So you reply to your post with your CTA. So if you look at any of my LinkedIn posts or any of Dickie's uh, LinkedIn posts, you'll see we have our post, no links. And then we comment and we say, hey, and also if you want to start writing online, here's a link to our free guide. Okay, so that's that's the nuance difference. These are the tactics, right? For the most part, these don't make or break things, but knowing exactly how to craft a hook is going to help you. And we'll, we'll kind of walk through that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the lead-in, Cole. What do we got here? So the, the whole point of the lead-in is you basically need to tell the reader, here's everything that you're about to get in one and a half seconds. Think of it like a hyper-compressed movie trailer. So the, re- the reader needs to know 
what is this about? What's the topic? Who's it for? What is the reader going to get in exchange? What am I going to learn? What interesting thing are you going to tell me? Why should I trust you? What's the credibility? And what's the transformation, right? So after I read this, how is my life any different, right? So if you look at, there's a bunch of things working in this lead-in tweet that Dickie used. So let's, let's just pick this apart for a second. So one of the most legendary marketers of all time, David Ogilvy. what is that? Credibility, right? This isn't some guy's advice. This is David Ogilvy's, one of the most legendary marketers of all time. So credibility, we're done. In 1982, moment in time opener, if anyone remembers that from the previous session, right? In 1982, moment in time, David wrote an internal memo to the employees of his advertising agency titled How to Write. So what is this about? It's about how to write from someone who's really credible. And in just 10 bullets, he put together a masterclass in effective writing. Cool. So what am I going to get? If I read this, I'm going to get the 10 bullets that credible person David Ogilvy gave to his employees back in 1982 about how to write. Here's a breakdown of each one. So you can really see in five, what is that? Four sentences. I know exactly who this is for, what it's about, and what I'm going to get out of it, right? And if you don't have that, the reader is sitting there going, cool, it's another thread. Right. So the, the big thing that we want to emphasize is that readers don't read threads. Readers don't read atomic essays. Readers don't read LinkedIn posts. They read so that they get something. Hmm. Right. And it doesn't matter which one of those you pick, as long as the information that you're putting inside of it is compelling to the reader. Spot on. Honestly, the, the lead in tweet is an art, but we've already taught the fundamentals of it. It's no different than a headline and a first sentence. They're just combined. It's the same kind of idea where you're going to use the same kind of principles of crafting a headline and a first sentence, and you're just kind of combining them. You're, you're getting the reader to click. That is your goal, all right? So all we're doing here is saying, how do I get this person to click on this tweet and read the whole thing? Mm -hmm. So you're teasing. Mm -hmm. teasing this is this is what you're getting okay and if there's there's no tease the reader goes ah, i'm not interested right so here's the difference between the linkedin lead-in notice how the whole thing is crammed into three lines two spaces before the see more button okay a linkedin audience is a massive asset what's this about it's about building an audience on linkedin I've added 70,696 followers in just 20 weeks. Credibility. Here are the five simple things that I would do. If you read this, you're going to learn how to build a LinkedIn audience that will get you 70,696 followers in 20 weeks. That's the trade, right? And that whole value prop, that whole this is what you're getting is before the see more button. So we talk about this all the time. If you as a writer are sitting there going, hey, don't worry, it gets better uh, three paragraphs in, you'll never succeed writing on the internet because the whole game happens in the first three sentences, right? It doesn't happen three paragraphs from now. It's like either I get it or I don't. And that's how quickly people make their decision. So the whole lead-in is literally the most important part. Either you hooked someone's attention or you didn't. That's the hard part. Once you have their attention, then the game is, well, now I just got to keep my promise. Justin, he just has to tell me the five things that he does, right? So the content's very easy. It's the, what's the compelling promise? That's the hard part. And if you, once you have these frameworks and toolkits, right? It's a LinkedIn audience. is a massive asset, strong declarative statement opener, right? I've added 70,000 followers in 20 weeks. Credibility. You start to see that this, everything that works is simply constructed, right? And so when you see that, it's, I know exactly how to reverse engineer these. Now you're going to start to look at lead-in tweets and Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts and say, I know why that's working. And that's a superpower. When you can see writing that's working, 
you're nine, you're ahead of 99% of the, of the game. Mm -hmm. Cause you can recognize it. That's, that's what it's all about. So I want to show, this is a very nuanced difference. Okay. Notice this lead in this went, this is one of my most viral threads on Twitter. Notice this lead in. And when I copy paste it to LinkedIn, look at where it gets cut off. Okay. So this fourth line is really important right? Because the fourth line is me telling the reader, Hey, you know, I've read 500 business books. 99% of them were a waste of time. Just say, just save yourself all, all the energy and just read these 10, right? That's the whole point of the Twitter post of the Twitter lead in. But when I bring it over to LinkedIn, that last sentence gets cut off. That's a problem, right? Because then the reader who's scrolling goes, cool, you've read 500 business books, 99% of them were one idea stretched across 300 pages, they should have been blog posts. Great. They're missing the last piece, mm. right? Which is me saying, save yourself the time and these are the 10 you should read. So this is a mistake, right? So if you, when you're bringing things to a different platform, you kind of have to pause for a second and go, okay, how are the rules different, right? And so if I was changing this for LinkedIn, I would combine some, I would combine one of these sentences, or I would find a way to get this last piece into the LinkedIn lead-in because that's really important, right? And so you notice this, it's really, it's not about the writing. It's about the thinking, right? Like what is the idea that I'm communicating to the reader? The idea here is I read 500 business books. Most of them were a waste of time. These are the 10 you should read. So however I get there, that's the idea. And that's what I need to communicate. It's important to, to recognize that no one would have clicked through Cole's LinkedIn post there because they didn't, he's not telling them what they're going to get if they do it, right? So on this one, he would have to construct it. So these are the tiny little things that you'll start to pick up on when you go multiple platforms. And we're learning this as well. We're doing a webinar in the captain's table, I think in two weeks on Twitter writing versus LinkedIn writing, like a full deep dive on our strategy where we're going to kind of lay some of these frameworks out because we're learning a lot as well. Yeah. So yeah, Chris, I see in the chat, right? A very easy tweak here is I just delete this third sentence. They should have been blog posts and I just replace it with this fourth sentence. That completes the idea a little bit more, right? So so again, it's it's so it's really not like, you know, what adjectives should I use or should I use the word crazy or should I use the word wild? You know, like it, it's not about that. It's about what's the idea. And the idea here is I've read a ton of business books. Most were a waste of time. Just read these 10. Notice, even as I'm saying it, you're, you can hear, you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's the idea, right? So that's what you're thinking through. Here are some other really great uh, lead-ins that Dickie, you've had that this is one of my favorite, how to generate a hundred ideas to write about, compelling, in 30 minutes, even more compelling, even if you think you have nothing to say, even more compelling, right? So most people would just say, here's a thread on how to generate a hundred ideas. Cool, that's version one. Version two is, here's how to do that in record time. Version three is, here's how to do that in record time, even if you never thought it was possible. Right. So you can see how over and over again, the lead in is like you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're like, reader, this is why it's so important. I love seeing in the chat that that was the thread that brought people here. Right. So if that was a thread where you heard about Ship 30 for the first time, that's awesome. But what you'll see is this thread right here, it was pretty similar to our endless idea gen generator framework but you find a different way to repackage these ideas. And that's what it's all about is finding, we know what our core, core ideas here are at Chip 30. Now Cole and I, our only job is to figure out how to keep repeating those ideas in new ways. Mm -hmm. That's it. Here's a, the second one is another great example. I spent over a thousand hours, credibility. It literally doesn't matter what Dickie puts <laughs> after that. I spent a thousand, if anyone says I spent a thousand hours doing X, if you were at a dinner party and someone said I spent over a thousand hours doing, you would be like, tell me more, right? So credibility, 
over a thousand hours learning to write effectively. What's this about? It's about learning how to write effectively because college completely failed to teach me. Twist the knife, right? How many readers read that and are like, ah, I feel like college totally failed to teach me how to write too, right? Twist the knife, twist the knife. Here's everything I, I learned distilled into 11 tweets that you can start applying today. Here's exactly what you're going to get, right? If you click this thread, you're going to get 11 tweets about everything I've learned about writing over the course of studying for a thousand hours. That's the trade. It's, we're, in, if you read the deep dive, you'll see how we deconstruct these, but there are literally four parts of the second lead in tweet here. Credibility, twist the knife, exactly what you're going to get, and then tell the reader what's in it for them, right? So if you removed any of these parts, they would have been as effective, mm -hmm. right? So if I said, here's everything I learned distilled into 11 tweets, that's not as good as saying, hey, here, not only is it distilled, but you can use them today, right? I'm telling the reader, here's what you're going to get. So I think all we're trying to do is drive home the fact that you can deconstruct these lead-ins that are working when you start to see them like this. Mm -hmm. So now let's dig into the formatting. So the thing that makes uh, Twitter and LinkedIn different is the way that you format and organize information. So in an atomic essay, we talk about 131, 141. You can do the same thing but even more compressed. So the 131 in a thread or in a LinkedIn post is like one sentence, three bullets, one sentence, right? Instead of three whole sentences, you have three bullets. So what you're optimizing for with threads and LinkedIn posts is speed. You want someone to be able to see your lead in, get hooked, click, skim, and be done in like 10 seconds. That's the whole game. So here, Dickie's explaining in this thread, it's very meta, but he's explaining <laughs> formatting. And he's like, here's how to use bullets instead of dashes, right? But notice how each sentence is broken out. He's alternating bulleted lists. It looks very symmetrical, right? It looks enjoyable to read. Yeah, the 131 with three bullets. So we have a lot of people say that this tip pays for the whole course. If you're on a Mac and you use option eight, you can create bullet points. It's the easiest way to stand out on Twitter if you use bullets over dashes. I think in the original tweet here, I said Alt-7 on Windows, but it's a different keyboard key. So I'm not exactly sure what it is on Windows, but just knowing that you can create bullets, you'll stand out immediately because it is much cleaner. Yeah. So just to drive the point home, okay? Great formatting versus not great formatting. Big paragraphs in Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts are a no-no. No, no, no. What you want is you want single sentences going into bulleted lists. If you do nothing else, like literally nothing else, that is the formatting hack. Single sentence, bulleted list, move on to the next idea over and over and over again. Because you have to think that Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts are... They're hyper compressed. They're like short form, long form, you know, is you can compress a lot of information into, into that, but the reader wants you to go as fast as humanly possible, which means you're skipping a lot of the description. You're skipping the beating around the bush. You're just like, this is the idea. This is what you need to know. Here's three quick examples moving on over and over and over again. So anytime just, you see yourself staring at a big paragraph here, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, once you start reading high quality formatted Twitter threads and tweets, you just don't have time for people who you can't just take an essay, put it as a thread and then think that's going to work, right? It's a different medium to slightly different platform kind of thing. So formatting big matters here. Mm -hmm. and, and I want to emphasize if this is difficult, Okay. If you're having a hard time wrapping your head around this, two things. One, there are templates inside TypeShare, just color inside the templates. That's why we created them. Okay. It'll help you practice and get up to speed. The second is when you see a Twitter thread, like this one on the left, when you see a thread that has your attention, when you see something grab you on Twitter or LinkedIn, pause and 
ask yourself, how do you create the exact same thing? So when I see someone else's thread, when I, I do this with Dickie stuff all the time, because Dickie's really smart and I love learning from Dickie, right? So when I see him write a thread that is awesome, I sit there and I go, what did he do? Okay, so let's just go through this. The first sentence, template number two, colon, I name it, the frameworks. So when you sit down to write, you go first sentence, template number, call it something, okay? Then I have a little quote as an example. Okay, when you write yours, the second line is a little quote with an example. And then I have one sentence that is a strong opinion. Okay, when you write yours, have one sentence that's a strong opinion. And then you have three bullets. Okay, when you write yours, you have three bullets, right? So don't just read anymore. Read actively, read consciously. When you see something grab your attention, stop, open another window, and try and copy it, right? Try and create one yourself. All right, let's pick up the pace a smidge here. So this is, again, same with LinkedIn, Twitter formatting. Avoid long, bulky paragraphs. If you're repurposing a Twitter thread into a LinkedIn post, an easy way to do it is just add two dashes where each tweet broke off, and it makes it read the exact same way as a thread. That's what we've been doing. Yep. Okay. All right, so so drop. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. What are people? What are people challenged challenged with here? I mean, are do you struggle with the brevity side? Is it the the visual organization? Is it the which idea comes first? You know, what's what's the friction point for you? Ideas, organizing them, organizing. So we're going to walk through at the the second half of this uh, presentation is the kind of things that work well on Twitter threads and LinkedIn posts. So we'll get to how to organize those ideas. And then once the formatting, all that is kind of straightforward. Cool. All right, let's keep rocking. So the TLDR, this is simple. I actually start every single Twitter thread I write with a TLDR. It's like writing your headline first. I start with a summary. A lot of my Twitter threads actually start as tweets, right? I say something, I know that it resonated. We talked about this one on the last live session, right? If you can't summarize your entire thread like this, then you don't actually know what you're saying. So TLDR stands for too long, didn't read. And we basically say, hey, thanks for reading. If you forgot everything we just said, here it is in one convenient place, right? And look, this is another little tactical thing, but when you're writing bullet points, make each one longer than the one before it. It's something pleasurable about reading it and it's nice to read. Yeah. And then lastly, the CTA. So a couple things you can do here. You can send people to another thread that was relevant. You can ask them to follow you. You can add a link to your newsletter. You want to give the reader something to do at the bottom of the thread. So when you get to the bottom, they don't just swipe away. You say, hey, thanks for reading. If you enjoyed this, all this free value I just gave you, I'd love if you did X, Y, and Z. If you followed me, if you signed up for my newsletter, if you shared it with a friend, you hit reply. Ask the reader to do something because they... If you deliver something valuable, they're going to reply or, or do something in return for you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the LinkedIn CTA. Remember, you want to just put it in the comments. Um, and by the way, we just want to emphasize, because I'm seeing some questions in the chat mm -hmm. of like, do you do the TLDR first or the CTA first? Or what if you, it's your choice, right? Like this is, this is one way of doing it. This is the way that Dickie and I do it, but we're always changing our own approach too. So if you want, put your TLDR second, you know, try things out, move pieces around. We're just giving you the pieces. You can go play with the pieces. Okay. So just as a recap, again, this is the Twitter thread architecture, your lead in tweet, the middle is all your main points. And then you have your TLDR and then your CTA, all right? If you're confused about the order, you just wanna copy what we're doing directly, please take a screenshot of this. You can reference it, all right? But again, it's these are just the pieces. You can do with them whatever you want. The LinkedIn post architecture, very similar. You have your lead in. You wanna fit it in in those first five lines before the see more button. You have your main points in the, in the body of the post. And then your CTA is a comment as a reply to the main post. Okay. All right, let's keep rocking. So what are the types of viral worthy posts on Twitter and LinkedIn? We got five of them, framework stories, tips, lists, and then threads of threads, which will be Twitter specific, but we'll walk you through how to do that one. So let's dive in. 
Yeah. So the first is frameworks. Frameworks are the hardest, but it's a way of organizing information for people. And all you need to know here is what specific problem does your framework solve? What is the new unique way? And what proves it's guaranteed to work? What's the credibility? So here, Sahil wrote about Hanlon's razor, right? It's not even his own framework. He's curating someone else's framework. Okay. So a framework is just a way of organizing information. It's one of the harder techniques, but it, it works very well. We have some templates inside TypeShare where you could use these to play with it. Frameworks are they, the easiest way. So if you think about the 4A framework, right, it's we're a lot of actionable stuff. So saying here's exactly how to do something or the anthropological side, here's why something works, right? So if you give someone a framework, you're going to explain it to them, or you can say, hey, maybe this is the reason something's happening, and I'm going to break it down for you. Yeah. Stories are, we notice a lot of people want to write stories, but there's a thing that, uh, there's a mistake people make that causes their stories to not work, whether it's a thread or a LinkedIn post. And what happens is people write their story linearly, and they don't tease the ending in the lead-in. Okay, so they assume, hey, I'm not going to give away the ending, right? I don't want to, I don't want to tease the ending because I want you to read the whole thing. No, no, no. No one's going to get to tweet number four if you don't hook them in the first one. So notice this lead in that Trung wrote. It's amazing. When Steve Ballmer joined Microsoft in 1980, he was employee number 30 and received zero equity. Beginning of the story, right? By its IPO in 1986, end of the story. He owned 8% of Microsoft, which makes up the majority of his $80 billion fortune today. How did Ballmer get that stake though? Middle. It was a contract quirk. Here's the story. So you're reading for the middle. You're not reading for the ending. You're reading for the middle. So this is the big mistake that writers make with their lead-in. The lead-in is the beginning and the end. And then they click to read the middle. Right. And if you don't give them the end, the reader goes, I don't know where we're going. So I'm not going to give you my attention. Yeah. The, so here's some more good examples on two stories that I've written. And what they, this is, I think, one of our best frameworks, Cole, is the explaining a story with the beginning and end and say, hey, read to see how this happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus you tease the beginning and you don't even tell them how it ends. So they, they have no way to connect it. Right. When you introduce a story like the one on the left where I say, I ran for class president, here's the story, right? I'm telling you, this is going to be a story about running for class president. What follows was two landslide victories, an impeachment trial, pitchforks from three suburban housewives and three marketing frameworks I'll never forget, right? I painted the end of the story, everything they're going to get. And then I say, you're actually going to walk away with three marketing frameworks. I think this is one of my favorite lead tweets ever. Yep. And Dickie, what would you do differently for this lead-in from a formatting perspective? I would turn it into what followed was bullet point, two landslide victories, bullet point, one impeachment trial, bullet point, pitchforks from three suburban housewives. I'd use the number three instead of one, two, three. Mm -hmm. And then I'd finish with and three marketing frameworks, right? So we could show before and after. Same thing with with the one on the right. I used to have one sphere addiction planning. What ended it? This story period. If you suffer from overplanning, here's what we're going to dig into. Here's exactly how it works. Yep. So if your story does not tease the ending, no one's going to read it. That is a rule. Okay. The third is, this is probably the easiest one. This is where most people start is actionable tips. Okay. So anytime you go, Hey, I'm going to give you three ways to do X, or I'm going to give you four tips to accomplish Y, right? The outline's done. Tip number one, tip number two, tip number three, tip number four, right? So anytime that you're listing out, you know, here's steps, here's tips, here's mistakes, here's, you know, whatever. Actionable tips are just, here's how you do this. And then it's just listing all the way down, okay? But in the lead-in, you have to tell people, again, it's kind of like the beginning and the end of the story. Started from zero, I accomplished X, If you want to do the same, here's seven tips to do so, right? So you're always thinking about how do I tease the beginning and the end, click to read the middle. 
nothing to add on this one other than there's a ton of good templates in TypeShare. Cole, this is a great one that you've had, right? Yeah, this is this is about as you know cookie cutter as it gets. Over the past year, I've tweeted hundreds of writing tips, but these 19 accumulated more than a million views. Here they all are, right? I did a lot of stuff. Some of them were really successful. Click to read which ones were successful, right? You can start to see how it's the same pattern over and over and over again. That's why so much of digital writing is recognizing the patterns, using the techniques that work, and then plugging in your own ideas and your own content inside of them. And this was validated with over 3,800 likes because Cole actually posted all these one by one and knew yep. exactly which ones would work. And so when he wrote the thread, it was, here's, I probably tweeted, he literally said, I tweeted a hundred of them. 19 of them were really good. Here they are. Mm -hmm. Proof, credibility, data, all in one spot, right? Yeah, that's what you want. Library and data. The, the next iteration on the actionable tips is literally anything you want to list out. You want to list out Here's people you should follow. Here's YouTube channels you should know about. Here's TED Talks you, you should watch. Here's podcast episodes you should listen to, right? Anytime you're listing anything, that is an amazing time to write a thread or a LinkedIn post because the lead-in is so easy, right? The lead-in is just, hey, I went out, I did a bunch of research or I spent a thousand hours doing something or I've spent 20 years in this industry, whatever. Here are some of my favorite things. Click to read, right? It's such an easy lead in. And so this is where most people like to start because it's, it's a great way of learning how to uh, integrate a lot of this information. Yeah, curation, lists, anything like that. It's the easiest way to get started. It's how I wrote all my original Twitter threads were some kind of curation, some kind of list, something that does not take any kind of real deep thinking to be hundred percent honest. It's, Hey, I'm going to, I outline it and then I fill in the blanks. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of those are the most helpful. That's what's beautiful about it. Yeah. And so here notice if this lead in tweet just said, here's 15 threads you need to read on Twitter. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. Like we're listing it. All right, cool. But what makes this even more compelling is we go, hey, by the way, you know, 200 billion tweets are posted per year. These are the 15 you probably should read, right? That context is really helpful, okay? So you're, you're always kind of thinking, it's the twisting of the knife, right? It's like, here's the beginning, here's the end, here's what I'm going to give you, and here's why it matters, right? That's the thing you're always pushing on. Here's why it matters. Here's why you should read this right now. And then lastly, this is uh, another benefit of having a library of content. The thing with Twitter is sometimes it's not easy to find your best stuff, um, especially things that have been posted in the past. So once you have a bunch of really good ones, you just write a new lead-in tweet and figure out a way to create a thread of threads. So you say, here's my best threads on X or on Y. Right. And then you are reintroducing people back into your content throughout. And it's just a really powerful, powerful flywheel. Twitter also loves these from an algorithm perspective, because all you're doing is keeping people down the rabbit hole of their platform. Mm -hmm. Right. So here's an example, eight threads to help you write concisely and convincingly. So you can accelerate your career. Right. Here's what it is. Here's what you're going to get. Eight threads. Very easy. That one took me 10 minutes. Right. These are pretty easy ways to repurpose your content. And here's a great little, uh, you know, if you're starting from absolute ground zero, the, the easiest way to, to start here is to go find a creator that you really love, you know, who's someone you love reading and create threads about their best content. You know, so if you, it, like, I love when people do this for me, people are like, hey, I've read everything Cole's written on Twitter for the past two years. These are the 10 best threads on X topic. I'm going to find that very valuable because you went out and you did the hard work of organizing all of it. So I'm going to want to share that, right? So that's a really, if you're starting from the very beginning, a really great way to, to get momentum going is to do it for other creators first and then do it for yourself. That is how I started with uh, a lot of my curation was just going and finding other people's stuff. And the cool byproduct of that is learning. 
right? Mm -hmm. You're going to read high quality stuff when you do that. All right, so drop in the chat, what kind of thread are you going to write first? Framework, story, actionable tips, anything lists. So this cohort I've experimented with essays, threads, stories, a little bit of everything. And I'm basically trying to figure out what am I going to write about for the long term and explore a bunch of different mediums. Today, I wrote about growing a SaaS product. I've never written about that before. I really, really liked it. And it was the easiest thing I've written in a long time. And so I'm taking signal from that. And how I actually ended up writing about it was just a conversation with Cole, right? What I've started to double down on recently is answering questions and writing things when I only have one data point telling me to. So when someone answers, asks me one question or says, hey, you should write about X, Y, and Z, I just go, okay, and I do it and see what happens, right? You only need one validating point to go and put a data point out into the world, right? So one question on your atomic essay can spark the next one, which will spark 10 more questions. And then you have the next two weeks of writing done. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about, Cole, on uh, LinkedIn versus Twitter right now? What are you kind of measuring? What what's next on the writing side? Framework, stories, tips, anything? I really love stories, but they they tend to take a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, we talked about this on the last live session. Like, I have so much data telling me that what people want to read about from me is writing frameworks. So there's a big part of me that's like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing that because clearly that's what people are looking for. So it's a little bit of, you know, we talked about this on the, on the last session of 80%, maybe even 90% of your time doubling down on what the data is telling you and then reserving the last 10% for experimentation. So Dickie, you reserve 10% for, oh, I'm going to try writing about SaaS products. You got validation. It was easy for you. Now you might bump that percentage up. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is I got a bunch of DMs and questions about what we're doing. And so I have 10 more content ideas now, mm-hmm. right? So many of the things I just wrote about today were obvious to me and I'd internalized. And I thought when I had published that every other kind of indie hacker and SaaS founder was going to be like, yeah, of course. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we know all this. But they said, oh, I never thought about X, Y, and Z. Right. I got a bunch of new followers from that community who are like, oh, wow, thank you for providing value in this way. Mm-hmm. Right, so this is what's a, the, so fun about this game, right, is you don't know what's going to work. You don't know things that are obvious to you, but very valuable to other people. And that's why we write every day. You start putting ideas out there every single day. It's hard to stop. That's the fun part. 